Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the TLDR podcast. Today we have uh, one of Australia's leading, I would say, CrossFit YouTube content creators, Vakey, on the show with us. Uh, he's been generous enough to give us some of his time today. And um, Vakey, welcome. Thanks, boys. I'm pumped. I'm uh, honoured to be on the podcast. Oh, sick. It's good to have you. Um, for those always, that maybe man. don't know uh, who you are, what you do, um, it's kind of their loss and uh, they're about to find out, I guess, but uh, they're going to get exposed. But maybe share a little bit about maybe your background, what you do now and how you maybe got there. Yeah, sure. So I'm a South African-born uh, Kiwi that now lives in Australia. So been, <laughs> kind of 15, 15 years in South Africa, 15 years in New Zealand and uh, I've been here in Australia since 2016, and I think I'm I'm here to stay, loving the Gold Coast. So, um, yeah, I've always been into fitness and sport. It's kind of been my life since I was a young boy. Like growing up in South Africa, you know, you've got no choice but to play rugby, um, yeah. you know, cricket, and and I just did every sport under the sun, um, and fell in love with the gym pretty early on as well. So, um, when I moved to Australia, oh, sorry, to New Zealand, I uh, started working at a cross a, a normal gym, like a global gym, as a fitness instructor. Yep. and um yeah stumbled across uh crossfit.com classic story you know like most people do like find crossfit.com and try some of the workouts and just kind of get hooked so um fell in love with it and decided i had to start my own crossfit gym i was just uh you know drank the kool-aid and just couldn't let go of it so yeah so that was in 2011 started crossfit gym um that that ran until i sold it in 2019 so eight years of running that gym yeah um when I moved here to Gold Coast, I started a CrossFit gym here as well, uh, which we can talk more about. There wasn't the greatest success. There was a three-year, a three-year grind to try and get it off the ground, and then yeah. um, decided to close that down. And yeah, in the process of all that, you know, running a business, you try and get members to the door. So you think, you know, nice photos and good video will probably help do that. And so I just kind of picked up a camera and learned how to um, take photos and do video, and fell in love with that side of things. So um, that's what I do now: full-time content creator mainly in the CrossFit space. So most of the brands I work for, are, you know, sponsor CrossFit athletes and um, yeah. So just living the dream, you know, doing, doing uh, content creation, which I love, but being able to do it in the CrossFit space, which is something else I'm really passionate about. So really lucky in that sense. Yeah. That's so good. What a journey. What, yeah. uh, what a few, a few questions to come with that. What, what initially attracted you to New Zealand? Like what was the rationale? Was that family or? Yeah, I was only 15, so yeah, okay. I didn't have much, didn't have much choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by saying that, I actually, uh, my best friend um, in South Africa, they moved over before us. I was yeah. only, I would have been probably seven or eight when, when they moved over. And uh, at the age of nine, I flew over from South Africa to New Zealand all by myself. Um, it's about a 24-hour flight. Yeah. As a nine-year-old, nine that was wow. pretty, uh, yeah, I can't remember if my parents allowed that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I came and visited him, loved it, came back when I was like 14. Yeah. And after that second trip, I came back home and I said to dad, man, we've got we to make the move. You've got to go check out this country. It's amazing. So um, so dad came and checked it out and then we moved over. So kind of our friendship yeah. is what, what sparked that uh, that move, yeah. The instigator, I love it. That's it, yeah. I'm, I'm finding it, there's um, the, the word that keeps coming up when we, when we have these sort of podcasts with guests that we get on is um, opportunists. We see that um, a lot of people that seem to be entrepreneurs or you know self-motivated and things like that are, are quite opportunistic and you know just even in your story just then you know worked at a global gym just found a different style of fitness got passionate about it thought you know stuff it i'm going to go and start up a gym like that's that's a big like you know not a big audacious goal but it's one of those i think most fitness instructors would have that goal yeah. not many would act on it to the point sure. where you know you had an eight-year 
um, successful business running, then move again, then try again, um, okay. but then find a different passion. And you're like, cool, I'm all in on this. Just seeing, would you, yeah, maybe, maybe is that how you describe it? You just like, see, I, I see yeah. something and I do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to when I was like nine or 10, I used to go to the gym with my dad. Um, you know, he would do sessions and I would just kind of play around the gym and sometimes do the circuit that he used to do just on the machines. And I used to think, I remember as a 10 year old thinking, man, I love the gym, but everyone's just here doing their own thing. Like it's no real community as such. You know, everyone's got their earphones in and just doing their own little thing. And I always thought, man, there's something missing with this gym model. Like it'd be amazing to, to have this fitness thing, but combine it with some more friendships and community so i remember even as a young guy thinking man there must be a different way to do this this gym thing rather than the big corporate model um so yes i mean when i found cross i was like this is exactly what i yeah. thought of when i was a young young guy um but yeah as far as the op- opportunistic thing goes yeah absolutely I'm, I'm big on just having a crack you know like i'm big on just failing and learning and you know hoping something sticks and you succeed at something but having a crack you know not not playing it safe i'm big on not playing it safe for sure yeah yeah yeah. I've definitely felt that from um, watching a lot of your YouTube videos. It's no, uh, you're quite vulnerable and in a, in a fun way, almost just like, no, I'm going to have a dip, you know, the one takes or the, um, you know, try the lift and it just didn't work, but that, that's all good. I learned from it. It's not a, you know, there's no, you're not out there just putting up your best content all the time or, you know, or your wins. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think it's quite relatable. Yeah. I mean, the YouTube channel is a classic example. Like I now, I still don't know what I'm doing with it. I literally, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. So it's, I'm still in that having a crack moment, you know, like I really am. Um, yeah. Like I've had some success with it, but you know, it's, it's a long way off what I want to achieve with it. So still trying to figure it out on the go. Yeah. So for the last three years or so, when your CrossFit gym closed down in on the sunny coast, was it you said? Yeah. On the Gold coast. Were you just making content through that time or did you have another job that you were maintaining some steady income throughout or was there a tipping point for you where you were like, yeah, content creation is the thing. And I'm just going to chase this thing. No, no. I've always, I've always been a big fan of kind of mitigating the risk and, and not, you know, not putting myself in. I've got a wife and a kid to look after. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so there's definitely a transition period where I was like, okay, I'm going to close the gym down. I already made the decision. That I was going to close the gym down in about six months time. So I was like over the next six months, I've got to get this content thing off the ground, find some clients, find some jobs. Um, I was lucky enough to, I was running an online fitness program, uh, programming company called Projects Fit. And that was going really well. So that, that kind of online income really helped to, um, to make the transition. So I was, I was lucky enough to have a few kind of um, eggs in different baskets to kind of help, help make the transition smoother. Um, yeah. And I mean, Kara Saunders gave me a massive break. 2019, she um, invited me to come with her to Hawaii to, um, to come document her, her eyewear company, Active Eyewear. Yeah. Um, they were just launching and she wanted someone to come and take some photos over in Hawaii. So that was a massive break. Um, yeah, just like this is my first proper job as a, mm. as a content, content creator uh, was that one there. So I was lucky to have that connection there with her. Yeah. Not a bad How long had you been doing? <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. It's oh. not a bad, like I'd love to go to Hawaii. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 The best gig. That's literally the dream. Take yeah. the camera and off you go. Yeah. How long were you doing content creation leading up to that point? So you must've had some level of um, like, marketability or market presence people must have known who you were what was the journey leading up to the point yeah so i mean as a crossfit gym owner um anyone that runs a crossfit gym or any small business for that that matter would understand that you you do everything right like you are the cleaner you are the marketing person you are the person making the calls you do everything and so that was just part of it you know running a crossfit gym for eight nine years i just taught myself how to 
create social media content, how to take a photo, how to do a video. Um, I've always had I've always had a creative streak, I feel like. Um, but up until I found the camera, I was never really able to express it. Um, so I feel like I always I've always had that eye for design and and you know, stuff that looks good. And so yeah, so I was literally just but maybe I was probably doing it about for a year um, seriously when I got the job with Power. Like I was doing a lot of content for myself and for the gym about a year prior. Yeah. Pretty, um, but a completely pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. You must yeah, have really dove headfirst into it. I did, yeah. Like just watched hours and hours and hours of YouTube videos and just trial and error, you know, just go out, create something, see if it works. And yeah. Yeah. So much you can learn on YouTube. Hey, like every problem I come across, like YouTube it, how to fix love- a toilet cistern. Like I did that recently, <laughs> just anything. Yeah. 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 I'd love to know how many hours of YouTube videos I've watched in my lifetime. That'd be stupid. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Have you listened to uh, Mr. Beast on Joe Rogan's podcast recently? I haven't. It's on my list to uh, to watch. Um, I saw that pop up, but I haven't watched it watched it yet. No. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. I think you would get a lot out of it, and and maybe you could talk on your mindset into kind of having to make something work, and then how many hours you put into it. Like, was it eighty hours a week? Was it every spare minute you had around the job that you had, or was it something that just kind of clicked naturally? for you like how hard was it for you to pick up the camera and then learn how to do this thing yeah i mean it was every every hour that i had free i either spent thinking about or planning or shooting video or a photo um it wasn't hard in the sense that i loved it like i loved doing it so i remember i would here on the gold coast in the summertime the sun comes up pretty early and i would coach a 5 30 a.m class i remember going to the gym at like 4 30 quarter to five in the morning popping the drone up at the gym and getting some drone footage before I coached my five point class, you know, just because I wanted to fly the drone and I thought I'd get the sunset. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I was li- like, I, I would lie awake, awake at night just thinking about the next video I was going to make and um, it just consumed, it did, it consumed me. Um, That's cool. So I was really obsessive about it um, in, the, in the healthiest way, I think, <laughs> I hope. Um, yeah, but it, it was hours, hours and hours of just, you know, just trying things, yeah. Do you now find like, obviously, well, you would, uh, you would have learned in that time, but like, when it comes to say the YouTube channel or creating a good, you know, photo for car or whatever it is, or filming, um, you did filming of some quarterfinals. I think I remember you saying, um, is that a lot more efficient now? You're like, cool. I can put a YouTube video together in X amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I remember when I started, I would overshoot, like I'd come home and I'd have like eight hours worth of footage for like a two minute video. Yeah. And, and yep. you know, um, so I've learned to kind of um, trim the fat and just shoot what's necessary now. Um, so, and that's something you can't really learn unless you, on the job experiencing it you know so um yeah i'm a lot faster now creating my videos and just shooting what i need to shoot um just on yeah. that i got a friend of mine who's starting um filming some content for a crossfit gym over here in wa um and i caught up with him recently and he actually said that you know you can't you can't go back and shoot something so his his logic like you know almost in contrast to that thought obviously like you just said you've got to learn but he's like cool i'm filming everything and that way I can know like, you, and you would learn. And I, I guess that's probably what you're leading or alluding to is just the film everything and then, you know, take the time, do your, do your, what's it called? Do your 10,000 hours of learning. Okay, cool. I don't actually yeah. need to film that in the future because that's a waste of time and blah, 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 blah. But he's, yeah. Yeah, he, his direction was like film everything, <laughs> film everything and then just, you know, write through it. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think it's, there's different instances. Like if you're with a personality that you're trying to capture some, some moments where they say something, you know, really good. Mm. There's nothing worse than not having the camera recording, you know? So it does depend on what you're shooting. Like if I'm shooting a hype video for a brand, 
And I know that, look, there's five rounds of this workout. I don't have to film every single thrust that this person's doing. I can just film the yep. first round of thrusters, turn the camera off, and then focus on a different angle or different movement. But, you know, hanging out with Matt Fraser last year at the CrossFit Games, mm. I can tell you now, I never, the camera was on 24 7. Like, I never <laughs> stopped the camera running. But I was like, if Matt says something that's going to be a gold nugget, I don't want to miss it, you know? So, yep. uh, so I guess it does depend on, on what you're shooting at the time. Yeah. <laughs> How was yeah. that experience? That's, that would just be wild, dude. I'm, I'm still, I don't think I've come down from it yet. <laughs> I'm still on a high from it. Um, yeah, that was the coolest experience, man. Like just going to Matt and Sammy's house, you know, a few days before the games and I had my birthday while I was there. Um, yeah, sick. Uh, with them. So that was just, yeah, yeah such a cool experience. Um, and hopefully I can do it again this year. That's the plan. So, yeah. 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 When was that? Can you talk us through that whole process? Like when you got there and how long you stayed for and not necessarily yeah. just at Matt's place, but kind of for the entire experience. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, it was so last minute because they put an ad, they put an ad on Instagram saying, Hey, we're looking for a content creator to join the team. Um, and it sounded like they wanted someone more long-term, someone on the ground with them, um, which made sense. But I applied regardless and uh, got an email back from Sammy saying, Hey, we're aware of your work, but um, yeah, we need someone in the States that lives nearby. So um, yeah, thanks so much, but it's not gonna it's not gonna work out, you know. So like sweet, no worries. Um, went on a holiday with my family to New Zealand. Um and got an email from, uh, this would have been maybe two weeks out from the games, I reckon, two or three weeks out from the games, got an email back from Sammy saying, hey, you know what? If you're going to come to the games anyway, let's just do this. Let's, let's, let's do a vlog, let's do a vlog style content. Um, yeah, we haven't found anyone local yet that, that's, that kind of fits our team. So let's just do it. And uh, so I scrambled. There was no flights at that time to the States apart from business class flights. Um, and so I had to basically finance my flights. It was $12,000 to fly, return to the States. Um, so I'm still paying that off now, but I just, <laughs> I view it as a uh, investment yeah. um, in my future. So um, yeah, so I just, I was like, this is too good opportunity to mm. do my pass. I'll fly, I'll fly business class if I fly business class. And um, yeah, so I, I, was, I got there, I got to Vermont two days before the games, just spent two nights at the house. Um, and they just sudged down to the people. Like we just hung out, worked out, rode in the quad bikes, flew the drone. Like just, yeah, we just hung out. It was so, so cool. Um, just got to know each other before the games, which was important because I think, you know, trying to film a week with some content with someone, you want to have a bit of a bit of understanding of who you're working with. And so that was cool. We bonded, we bonded really nicely. And um, yeah, and then I flew out to the games maybe a night before them and met them there. And it was, yeah, it was all go. Yeah. So how long the games were... They're a week long or a couple yeah, of weeks and you were there for yeah so it's five days um so yeah so i just spent every minute of every day for five days straight just following matt around just they basically wanted to document his experience at the crossfit games as a spectator for the first time um so that was really cool because you know he'd never as an athlete you never get to see the vendor village and you know all the things that the spectators kind of uh see so it was really eye-opening for him to actually see the behind the scenes of what happens at the games um you know as a spectator so it was cool um, he was like a little kid, really. Like he's just, um, yeah, he's had a smile across his face the whole weekend, just running around. Um, it's pretty funny, actually. You got to run everywhere with him. You can't walk because he just gets swamped by people wanting to take photos. So we would, yeah. So Matt O'Keefe's manager would like, um, yeah, he would like rally us together and say, okay, we're going to run to this spot now, and then we'll just like all run um, from spot to spot. Otherwise, we just can't get anywhere, you know. So um, it was, yeah, it was unreal. What a crazy experience, man. Yeah. What a crazy experience. And then you came back and uh, and you've just been living off the high since, no doubt. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Pretty much just dreaming about this year's games, going and doing it all over again. So Cool. So that's the deal? You're uh, you're locked in? 
hopefully they said they said we can do it again they said um there's a job for me if i want it so um i think they've got a bit more of an established team now on the ground which is cool mm. but as far as the youtube stuff goes it is very different um like vlogging is very different to creating hype videos for yep. you know like reels for instagram but it's different to um ask right questions and um catch right moments so i think they trust me in that sense that i can create a good looking vlog um yeah with the right content so just on that actually i love the uh like the esoteric kind of like the nitty-gritty of people that are really really good at their craft could you yep. maybe talk on the difference between like even the angles that you're using or the lighting or how fast the cuts are between frames or you know between a hype video and maybe something that's a little bit more um intimate i guess yeah yeah i think with the um with the vlogs there's no real set rules you know it's very much intuition and kind of just a lot of the stuff you can't explain like they like you say the, the certain angles or certain cuts it's just something that comes naturally that you i guess you pick up from watching other people's videos you just um gather all these different different information from different people and apply them to your videos um but yeah i mean obviously vlogging is a lot more raw and real and i think people get way too um consumed by getting a nice looking shot and rather than just focusing on actual you know actual content actual meat of what's being said or what's being done um obviously you can always add in the nice looking b-roll um you know sequences and things but for vlogging it's a lot more just raw and real it's just making sure the camera's on you're actually capturing what's going on rather than being too concerned about how it looks um yeah, yeah so that's that's the content i prefer catching yeah um yeah sure and in terms of uh, maybe social media content, would you say it's the same rule or you really want to I think you know, very yeah. explicitly like have really nicely crafted photos and videos? Yeah. Um, again, I think doing the thing is more important than like, I think actually if, if you're not putting content out because you feel like your content isn't like angle isn't correct or the, you know, the filter you've used isn't good enough. If that's stopping you, then you lo- you're missing the point. So I'd rather just put it out there. Like I look back at my stuff that I put out, you know, two or three years ago and I just cringe at, you know, the way I color graded the footage or the, the song I used or whatever. Um, but if I didn't put it out, I wouldn't have progressed, you know? So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, one, one common mistake I see videographers, videographers make is they let a shot run for way too long. Um, I think one of the, one of the important things is to, um, to not be precious about your footage, you know, to be willing to cut out, you know, cut out stuff and just leave the absolute best shots. Mm. So it's definitely one, if there's any videographers or photographers um, listening, like that's one piece of advice is don't be too precious with your footage. Um, don't be afraid to, to be brutal with the cutting, you know, like, um, yeah, I often see just people just holding a shot for way too long instead of just moving on to the next shots or, or keeping a shot that's not really necessary. So, um, yeah. So with your equipment that you would use, I'm sure you've upgraded as you've gone over the last you know, nine years or so, but what did you start with? Was it just like a, a handheld camera or was it your iPhone or? I started with a borrowed camera. So I borrowed my friend Ty's camera um, probably for the first six months. Yeah, just borrowed his camera and asked him if I could use it until I had enough money to buy my own. So um, I've only had two cameras. So like I started with the Lumix, um, Lumix GH4 for those who are camera heads. <laughs> and I switched to Sony from there. So I'm now a Sony man. And um, I mean, Sony's just killing the game. So I don't think I'll, I'll switch from there, but um. Yeah, so I started with borrowed camera, then a cheapy, and then finally the dream camera I have now. Yeah, yeah, sick. And the drone. When did the drone come in? Uh, the drone. I've always been a drone guy. I love drones. Eh? So um, I I think I may have bought a drone before I bought a camera, um, because I had my mate. We shared an office, and he had a camera. Um, I think I bought a drone actually, and then yeah, and then bought a camera after that. So yeah, that would have been back in two thousand eighteen or something, maybe. Yeah. 
drone shots have just yes. been a game changer for so much. I feel like I feel like um, even in um, feature films, there's yeah. just so much more. I think going back, I don't, I'm going to butcher the year, maybe 15 years. Um, you'd never get those. You're like, oh, how'd they do that? Maybe a helicopter was flying over and doing. And yep. now they're almost in every in every feature film. You get some sort of top down view of a city or some sort of landscape, and it's just magnificent. Yep. It's just angles you never see. Obviously, day to day life. So yeah, well, actually, I went from buying a normal just normal cinematic drone to then buying what's called an FPV drone, like a first person drone. Yeah. So it's like a racing drone. It's a lot faster. You can um, get some pretty cool angles and fly pretty aggressively. Um, yeah. I've re- just recently sold it because I just wasn't using it. But um, yeah, it's just constantly evolving the the drone game. It's crazy. Is that the one with the VR, the head? The... Yeah, that's one yeah. of the heads. Yeah, I got Matt to fly that actually. Um, there's a photo on his Instagram of him wearing the, the big goggles and yeah. Yeah, he, was, he couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, I'm actually, I've actually haven't been flying my drone a whole lot recently. Um, so yeah, got to get back into it. You mentioned something a little while ago about the, um, which I, I wasn't aware that you did. You had an online program or an online um, programming offering. Yeah, uh, which was kind of propping up their uh, transition, I guess. Yes, I feel like that's a lot of like that's pre-COVID, I'd imagine. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think through COVID, like being in the fitness space, which um, we all are, that's something a lot of people have tried to, you know, put up and and create something that's a little bit of a some sort of point of difference that's going to get something, get get a client um, bought in. And yeah. obviously now you've got your elite athletes doing it, like you say, even Matt's doing it with his thing. It's like. How you're gonna not how you're gonna compete, but you know, there's a lot of people like, well, if he's doing that, you know, that's kind of gonna take a lot of the, um, a lot of the eyes and the attention. What was it that you feel that made it successful for you? Yeah, I think that's a classic trap that people fall into. They go, there's some really well-known athletes or well-known coaches around the world putting programming out. How in the world am I gonna compete? Mm. And the answer is, there's a lot of people on planet Earth. <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's enough for another. 100,000 programs to be out there, you yeah. know, enough people for you to be successful. You don't need, I think people don't realize what they actually, how many clients do you actually need to make a program successful? And it's not actually that many. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think that's the first thing. It's just going, forget about the Matt Frasers and the Rich Fronings and all the high profile athletes. Sure, they're killing the game, but there's enough people around for you to, uh, to be a success as well. Um, my programming company was specifically to CrossFit Gym. So we would program the class programming for them. So where other programming companies may have thrived when gyms closed down, for us, it was the opposite. When gyms started closing down, they also started canceling the subscription to our It was a real tough, tough time for us and our, our company. So we had to be really creative in how we try, you know, try to encourage the gyms to stay on board with us. But it was tough. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, like um, someone's a great example at the moment who's doing really well is um, Brandon Swan. You know, he's got a programming company called Dad Hours. Yep. You know, being a dad now, he's obviously just gone, hey, this, I'm a dad and things look different now for me. Why, why don't I find something? I find some other dads that want to follow a similar program, you know? So I think it is just finding your little niche or building your little community and, and um, yeah, just being truthful. Like um, James Newbury is another, another one. He's found a niche in like the hybrid athlete model where, hey, you want to do CrossFit and strength training, but you also want to run some half marathons and do some Ironmans, you know, yeah. I'm your man. So it's just finding that, that, that differentiator factor or that, um, yeah that niche you know um yeah speaking of um half marathons and marathons i uh might have might have seen something in the last couple of days that you put your hand up for i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of um what's the saying uh creating not uh, like i like to just commit to things without being ready for it um (laughs) and and making it public and making it public so it's like 
you know, you're you're deep now. You got to go. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I just signed up for the for the Gold Coast Marathon, which is in three months' time. Um, and I, yeah, I've not been running, so it's going to be um, <laughs> going to be interesting. But I'm confident because I ran um, I ran the Auckland Marathon back in 2014. Yep. Um, and I ran that with zero running at all, just off cross for training. So I remember doing the um, the pose. I did the pose running method, um, cross for endurance cert. Right. Um, and so I was, you know, came back from that weekend. I was like, oh yeah, I'm a running expert now. I know how to run. And I, I even started, I started teaching running at my gym and I was like, I reckon I can run a marathon just based off the knowledge I've gained on how to run properly um, without actually doing any running. Yeah. So all I did was like just 200s or 400s and just practice my pose running method of, you know, and then just, I was pretty fit at the, at the time, like CrossFit fit. Yep. Um, and I had a few buddies that were runners and they like, they said, you can't do it. Like you can't run a marathon without actually doing some running and I was like mm. I, bet you, I bet you I can and um, I did it and I ran it in 358 I ran it sub four, four hour marathon Jeez. just off cross the training there you go. Um, um, and I was, I was a write off for like a week um, <laughs> yeah. I was. every joint in my body was just destroyed but I did it and I so I think with a bit of training over the next three months I should be right. yeah yeah humans yeah. are capable of some crazy things I uh, I got chatting with this guy I was at a charity event last weekend and uh, and I got chatting with this dude just kind of randomly and he had he broke his back in three places and broke both of his legs and uh and then two months later he ran 44 marathons in 44 days pretty insane with no training by the way like wasn't a runner beforehand was just lifting weights broke his back broke both of his legs or both of his arms i think it was maybe both of his arms actually and then he came back and ran 44 marathons in a row it's pretty wild i think it's just what you give your attention to eh? like if you you know you you tell you you, your brain is so powerful you tell yourself you can do something you'd be surprised you know what you can achieve 100 percent and the, and the flip to that as well. Like if oh, you tell yourself if that negative chat comes in, which I'm sure it did in that marathon, yeah. you know, if you let it overcome you, then you're doomed, you know, before you've even started really. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty yeah, challenging. It is. Yeah. But yeah, after the open, you know, open finish, and that was kind of my end of my CrossFit season. Uh, with yeah. the open, it's like, I need something to train for. And I like this idea of being a hybrid athlete, being able to maintain your muscle mass, maintain mm. your strength. But also being able to go and run a marathon, you know, I love that idea. So, um, a bit of inspiration from from James, actually more so James's new girlfriend. Um, she's a powerlifter, and she just did a half Ironman. Um, yeah, right. And wow. hearing, yeah, hearing her talk about that, going, you know, yeah, just give it a crack. Like, just sign up for something that you're scared of, and just make it happen. You know. Um, so it's like, oh yeah, that's that's I'll I'll do that. I'll try that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I was well, planning to run this 50k yeah. in December, and then I met this cat guy the 44 marathons guy and i was like well maybe i should aim a little higher than just running, <laughs> running 150k is like it just it's just crazy and you maybe had this as well when you were over there with matt and sammy and and you see these freak athletes and you're like man what the human body is capable of like that must have been inspiring for you as an athlete yeah yeah i mean anyone that does that follows crossfit i would highly recommend if you can make it to a live competition you know if you can come to the torium pro you know next month like seeing these athletes in real life, it's um it's very different to seeing the YouTube videos and the you know the live coverage. Um, yeah, they're amazing. It's it is really inspirational seeing these athletes just do stupid things. I know it's um that's pretty cool. Yeah. What are your goals as an athlete? Maybe or maybe you could talk on it yourself as an athlete or yourself as a business owner. Yeah. What are your goals over the next little while, three to five years? Yeah, I mean, fitness wise, I just want to be as healthy as I can be, you know, like being a dad now, and I just want to be the best for my, for my wife, and my daughter, really. Um, I mean, seeing where I placed this year, I think I was maybe 2000 spots shy of qualifying for quarterfinals. Um, wow. I wouldn't mind giving that a crack, I wouldn't mind trying to make it into the quarterfinal 10% um, here in Oceania, that would be pretty cool. 
Um, I'm, a, I'm like I'm 35. I'm considered, a, you know, I'm in the first master's bracket, but I don't quite view myself as a master just yet. Um, so I wouldn't mind, you know, qualifying for the for the quarterfinals in the open division. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, get this marathon done. I wouldn't mind doing, you know, some Ironmans, maybe a half Ironman to start with, and then eventually an Ironman. Um, so yeah, just a few little goals like that. But it's more just, yeah, more just to be able to tick some things off that I've always thought I could, you know, I could possibly do. Um, but yeah, real no, no real lofty goals, you know. Um, there's a few like strength goals I want to reach. Like strength's never been, it's probably been my worst component of my fitness. I've always been pretty gymnastic and cardiovascular, but as far as the strength stuff goes, I've always lacked a bit. So I wouldn't mind being able to, you know, back squat 180, um, you know, snatch, maybe snatch 110. There's a few things like that I want to achieve. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, and then business wise, I just want to see the YouTube channel get to 100,000. That's the, that's the, you know, over the next five years, I'd love to see that hit the 100,000 and, Get that YouTube, you know, um, button sent to little me. Plaque. Yeah, a little plaque sent to me. Uh, about right now. We're um we're about to hit eleven thousand. So yeah, it's, um, it's a slow grind. YouTube, like it's people don't realize how much work it takes to get anywhere in YouTube. It's it's a slow grind. But by saying that, we hit ten thousand New Year's Day. New Year's Day this year, we hit ten thousand, and it's been three months, and we've just just about gained another thousand. You know, so it's easy to look at it and go, oh, it's not growing. But I mean, a thousand people. That's a lot. That's a lot of human beings. You know, like. You put a thousand people in yeah. the room. That's a lot of people that we've gained in three months. So it's pretty encouraging. Yeah, it's cool. I'm yeah, sure it's what, exponential yeah. as well, right? Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard it's a snowball effect. Like I remember Casey Neistat saying that the first thousand was the hardest. You know, ten thousand was easier than a thousand, and a hundred thousand was easier than ten thousand, and a million was easier than a hundred thousand. So he does say apparently it is exponential and snowball effect for sure. Yeah. How long have you had it going? I think I uploaded a video about Greg Glasman maybe two years ago when um, yeah. when all that drama went down. And that was yeah. when I, um, that, that video got me from like 800 subs to 2,000 overnight pretty much. It, was like, it had like 50,000 views or something. It's, I think it's still my biggest video um, on YouTube. And so since that video, I've uploaded pretty much two or three times a week ever since. Um, yeah. So I'd say consistently two years. Yeah, two years. So it's, yeah. Yeah, right. It's... That's pretty impressive. Like you say, you put a thousand people in a room, but put put eleven thousand people in a room. Uh, well, that's a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And I think we've got a pretty strong community on my channel. Like, it, mm. I feel like it's everyone's pretty like minded, and like if you go through the comment section, it's always very po- positive, and there's always lots of engagement. So, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying the journey. It's cool. Where Where do you see the content going in that regard? Like, you've got obviously um, the the three YouTube uh, CrossFit channels that I kind of frequent would be the Butteries. Craig and then yourself. Yeah. Um, quite not surprisingly different, but obviously Buttery Bros release now episodes or whatever it is and they jump around America and wherever else they get yeah. flown to. Um, Craig has kind of his brand that he's kind of pushed as well yeah. in terms of like that. He's now seeing a lot of his athletes and um, doing that sort of stuff. What's your point of difference? I, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, you putting me in the same bracket as those two channels. It's a, it's a massive compliment. Like uh, I love those boys; they're good friends of mine. But um, uh, yeah, I think being over in Australia, the challenge is that you you can't be doing what the body bros are doing. That we just don't have that many high profile athletes to be hanging around, hanging about with all the time. You know, so mm. um, so I've realised that like I don't want to be doing CrossFit commentary and commenting on the CrossFit drama either. Like those things are great for um, they're great clickbait and they get some great views when you talk about you know what's going on in the space if there's any drama happening. Yeah. Um, but long term, that's not what I want to be doing. Like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good making those videos. What feels good to me is making videos about my training, my life, 
And so I think that's the direction I want to take. I want people to buy into my journey and to who I am as a person. So I think my, my content long-term will be more, mostly about, about me. Like I'll be the main character. And then obviously hopefully do some cool tropes and hang out with some cool athletes. Mm. Um, I mean, currently when I travel to do video, I, it's, at the moment I'm still doing it for other people, right? Like I'm going over and filming for Matt Fraser, yep. whereas someone like Craig, he goes over to the games and he films for himself. So yeah. the goal is to get to that place where I can do these trips, but not have any client work and just be able to just, create content for myself so um that's that's the ultimate goal um but yeah so i, I think it was always going to be in the crossfit or the fitness space um yeah. i've got to decide whether i want to branch out and go outside of crossfit as well or just stick in the crossfit lane um i mean the sport's only just starting you know there's so much potential for the sport to grow so i think we are still in the baby stages so i think there's heaps of heaps of room to grow so i think it was my my initial thoughts are stay put in the crossfit lane yeah mm. being yeah. that you're you do have those connects or whatever it is there would be conversations i'd imagine around you know exactly that the trajectory of crossfit and um where yeah. it could go and where maybe you'd like it to go um uh, might either be the same yeah. or different places but um i think you mentioned recently that you know oceana has very few actual athletes that can get to the games which is a rort, i think considering how fit and strong you know majority of the the guys that compete quarters and at semis and that sort of stuff are but does that then mean like a bigger games? Like where do you see, where do you see CrossFit going in, in the next say five years? Yeah. I mean, I think the focus needs to be on the grassroots, like the affiliates and the, the members, like that's where, you know, that's what CrossFit really is. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I view the great games as a celebration of, you know, um, of our sport and, and our brand, but it's not um, as much. I love the athletes and you know, the games. I, I feel like my, the people that watch my videos are the everyday CrossFitters, you know, people yep. that go across the gym and just want to stay fit and healthy. They, so I think that's that's where the focus should be for CrossFit, and um, and that's what, where I want to focus my efforts as well when it comes to create, creating content. You know, um, I've actually thought about doing a bit of an Australian trip, you know, do some go and visit some gyms and do some content at local CrossFit boxes and just meet the people that are on the ground. You know, um, yeah, we're not so going. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. I think the Open's a great sign of the health of the local gym, local CrossFit gym. Yep. So I think if we can get the participation of the Open up to like half a million. I think it's sitting at like 300,000 at the moment. If we can get up to like 500,000, um, that'd be a good sign that, the, you know, the community on the ground is growing and are buying into, into methodology and you know, what it's all about. Um, yeah, that and the affiliation numbers, you know, like I think those are back on the rise as well, but they're not quite back to where they used to be. Um, so it'd be cool to see that go over 15,000, see more CrossFit boxes pop up around the world and, yeah, so I think that's that's my passion, or that's where I think the focus should be is on the the grassroots. Yeah, with your like, if we're thinking about it from a professional sport and a grassroots level, as two sort of different entities. If you yeah. think about any sort of professional sport, like the NBA, um, NFL, AFL, NRL, uh, maybe I, I would imagine the AFL and NRL definitely do grassroots programs, but obviously, like all the perspective, all the talk, all the all of that is around the elite, the, the, cool. you know, the, the 1% of the 1%. Um, in America, I don't know, really know, I could be wrong, but like, I don't think their professional sporting bodies do a lot for grassroots because they've got such a big population. Yeah. Um, so there's two different entities there. Is that yeah. maybe where, I don't know, I'm just speculating and you might not have an opinion yet, but um, you know, there needs to be like a, cool, this is the games and you guys all do that and that's promoted there. And then a separate business, which is CrossFit. And, that, and I guess that's the change they sort of made. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I don't know where the question is in yeah. there, but that's, that's yeah, kind of where I, my brain goes. I think, I think that's what's so beautiful about our sport. That's what makes it unique is that as a rugby fan, like I love the Springboks, I love the rugby, I watch rugby, but I don't, I don't play rugby myself. And yep. most sports are like that. It's a spectator sport. It's not um, the yeah. people that watch it. The people that watch it don't actually do the thing. Um, and that's what makes CrossFit so special. The people that watch it also do the thing. And yep. so, and that's why I think it's even more important that um, it always comes back to, you know, the people, because the, the, the athletes that are competing, they came out of CrossFit boxes, you know, like they came out of local mm-hmm. CrossFit boxes. Um, but yeah, you're right. There has to be separation. And especially for those who don't know what CrossFit is, I think it's really important that um, that CrossFit ensures that those who are watching from the outside can see the difference between what a what an elite athlete is and the stuff they're doing, because that's not what we should be doing in, you know, at a local CrossFit box level. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, it's really hard because you, you get inspired by these people, but then also you inherently believe that you can't do it because they're too good, they're too good looking, they're too you know, bulky or whatever it is. You know, I just imagine someone watching Cross for the first time. They can either be really inspired or really discouraged. I guess they can, yeah. can either put them off the Cross box. I don't know. Uh, I guess it depends how you're wired. But I know some people are really intimidated to go to a Cross box because they've seen the Cross games. Yeah. Um, and others are really eager to get to the Cross box because they've seen the Cross games. So it's just figuring out how to how to package the message in a helpful way. Yeah. As you mentioned that there, and um, I'm taking over a lot of the questions here. Sorry, Luke, but um, I think I just realised that. A lot of those team sports that are spectator sports or even individual, you start as a, not even pre-adolescent, like a pre-child. You're like between the ages of five, you know, there's Oz kick, there's, um, I played hockey, so there's hooking to hockey and minky and all these sorts of things that get kids from such a young age involved in a sport that they'll watch later. And obviously as the rise of CrossFit keeps progressing, you're seeing people like, you know, your Mel O'Brien's who are now 18 and she's a freak. And, um, you know, she, she started from a younger age. I actually don't train out of a CrossFit box and I don't do, I've done CrossFit for a very short amount of my time, but I just yeah. love what I'm a, I'm a spectator. Yeah. I'm a pure spectator of CrossFit and I love the background of stuff and like the stuff that you produce and all that sort of stuff. Um, is there space or is there a room in a CrossFit box where they, you know, bring in kids? And I, I know that there is a young, young adult sort of section, but is it like as young as seven or eight? There is, yeah. So there is a, there's actually a CrossFit official CrossFit Kids course you can do. Oh, cool. Uh, as as a coach and yep. um, and then run run the CrossFit Kids program. So they yep. they definitely are around. And you are now seeing like I met a 14 year old CrossFitter when I was in um when I was with James the other day doing filming the Iron Man. Yep. Um, this 14 year old kid, his dad asked James to come and look at him like look at him train, um to tell his dad whether he thought this kid could, could make it as a CrossFitter. And apparently this apparently this kid was um. He was really good at a bunch of sports and he was weighing up which one to do. And James said to him, look, which board do you want to, you know, pursue and be great? And he's like, cross, like CrossFit's the thing. I want to, I want to be a CrossFit one day. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you haven't, I've never heard that before that a 14 year old yeah. kid wants to be a CrossFit one day. So it's definitely happening. I think whether the younger CrossFitters are, you know, they're starting younger and younger and um, it is becoming a, with the brands that are coming in, there's definitely the money starting to, you know, the, the money you can make is starting to increase slowly, but surely, you know, we just had mm. monster energy, Monster Energy just came into the sport as a sponsor yep. of some of the top athletes. Um, yeah, I mean, every week there's new new brands moving into the sport. So it's only a matter of time before the money's going to be good enough to uh, actually be considered as a professional sport, you know? Yeah, um, I think maybe some of the hesitancy from the... I remember going through my undergrad, which was in exercise science. And um, even then, and that was nearly 10 years ago now, trying to quash the idea of like the kids can't lift. Um, you're ruined that like a lot of a lot of people think you know pre i think it was actually the research had shown that even pre-11 kids should be learning how to lift 
Like people yeah. are doing gymnastics um, or kids are doing gymnastics and they, you know, you're going to Olympics at 14, yeah. which is, you know, part of CrossFit. So why can't they be building a base level or foundation level of strength that can hold, hold them in good stead? Because you can only build, you know, your bone density and your muscle mass to a period of time in your life. And then from them, it just, you know, it's maintenance or it will yeah. be decrease. So um, it's good that the education has shifted. Um, it just needs to seep out to the, the greater community or the wider, the general population. Yeah, I mean the CrossFit the CrossFit Kids program is amazing. It's really well thought about, and it's um, it's pretty much all body weight. You know, like most of the strength gains they make is neuromuscular. You know, like it's not necessarily muscle gain as such, more so yeah. movement patterns. And um, but yeah, it's an amazing thing to get your kids involved in. So if there's a local box around you and they do a kids program, it's worth checking out. Um, especially, I think, especially if the kids are interested in doing other sports, CrossFit's a great complement to that. You know, like it, it teaches good movement mechanics and just gets them ready for for their sport. So um, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. So in terms of, um, sorry, to, I want to take this down like a bit of a different route. Yeah, go. Um, so we've talked on CrossFit and, and your business within CrossFit. Has there been any other ventures that you've tried that haven't worked? And if so, like what have you learned from that? I feel like that's an important, um, yeah. important thing to kind of understand. Like not everything is just success after success and opportunity after opportunity. Like there has to be some stuff for you to just hit a roadblock. Absolutely. I mean, the gym here on the Gold Coast was a classic, classic example. Like, so, so we moved here in 2016. Um, the gym in Auckland finally, after years of making all the mistakes and, you know, getting all the systems in place, it was finally running really well. And so I thought, you know what, I've got this thing sorted. Like, I know how to run across the gym now. I've made the mistakes. I'll start another one on the Gold Coast and just do it right from the start, you know. Um, again, if you're a, someone who started a business before, it's, it's pretty messy, you know, if it's your first business. And that gym was my first business in Auckland. So it was very messy. Um, and then I had this opportunity here to start fresh and do everything right. And it was, it was everything was clean. You know, all the members were on the same membership prices. Um, all the automated payments were set up. The gym was clean and beautiful, new equipment. It was all perfect. And I thought it was going to do really well. And it was just, and it didn't, it just flopped. Like it was three years of just grinding, trying to get people through the doors. And I just couldn't do it. And I couldn't understand why there's so many gyms on the Gold Coast that are succeeding. And I felt like ours was better than theirs. You know, it was a better offering. I was a better coach, of course, and the uh, and the equipment was nice and new, and yeah, it was just yeah. So I still I still scratch my head sometimes and try to understand why that didn't work, um, but for some reason it didn't. You know, uh, I think a lot of it was probably my heart was starting to move on from being a gym owner. Mm. Um, I definitely rushed into it. Like I I came to the Gold Coast and I didn't know what I was going to do, and I just saw this building on on the street one day and I was like, man, that'll be a great CrossFit gym and. Uh, Signed the lease the next day, just jumped in and signed the lease. And looking, looking back, I should, wow. have probably, I should have probably taken a bit more time. Um, I think, yeah, I think just, I think stepping back, I think we can get so close to our um, ideas of what we should be doing and what we want to be doing that we can't see the bigger picture. And I think just stepping back and letting other, allowing other people to speak into your life is a big one. Um, my best friend that I spoke about before, he told me, he said, don't rush into anything. Take three months off. You know, you've been running this gym in Auckland for six, seven years take three months off and just have some space. And um, I wish I took that advice, you know, like, so just yeah. take a bit more time, step back from your emotions, your feelings, and just, yeah, look at everything that's in front of you and, you know, really what you want to be doing and not just rush and do things. Um, so that's probably the biggest lesson I learned through that one was just to not rush. And just because you think you've learned all the lessons um, prior doesn't mean there's no guarantee it's going to be successful, you know, um, the next venture. So yeah, that was uh, definitely a big failure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's tough to uh, to do, especially if you're an opportunist. I think you and I are very similar in that way where probably 
a bit quicker to just kind of pull the trigger on something and make something happen and or at least try like bite off more than you can chew and then chew like fuck is the, uh, the quote that i like to use yeah, um exactly. do you think that you would be more measured if you were to try again or do you think that like your success has come from like financing business class trips to america you know yeah well that's the thing it's like it's a double-edged sword isn't it because you're like you, you go oh you should take your time and and evaluate everything but then yeah, like you say, I can definitely credit a lot of things, a lot of success just because I just had a crack at the time and I didn't think about it, you know. I didn't let my head take over. So it's such a hard one. Like if you can mitigate the risk, mitigate it. Like if you have, if there's options to try and make the blow softer, if it's going to fail, then definitely put those things in place. Um, but I think sometimes you've got to go with your heart as well, you know. It's so hard. It's hard to um, hard to know when to be measured and when to just go for it. Um, yeah. In my, yeah. In my part, or not my past, but from my perspective, I feel like impulsive, impulsive, but fail fast. What is it? Fail, fail hard, fail fast or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Totally. You learn your lesson super quick. Yeah. It's like you have a, you have a dip, go all in, learn. Yeah. And it will either work or it doesn't, but um, what is this? You, you win or you learn kind of thing. So um, yeah. for those that are always reserved, obviously there's probably a middle ground and it's perfect for everything, every decision you can make. But if you're more likely to lean into um lean into the opportunities that you see in front of you um yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have just a far more enjoyable life i reckon as yeah, well. I, agree. I agree it's exciting as well it's just like risk taking is exciting you know um mm. yeah just the possibility of of things taking off and working is enough for me to <laughs> to take the risk you know like that just that feeling of man something could happen here this could be really cool that, that and that's enough for me to to go for it and then just deal with the, deal with the consequences if it doesn't you know hundred yeah, percent. <laughs> yeah 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 so good, so good. So, lastly, I kind of want to um, a couple of things. You're, from my perspective anyway, you feel like it seems like you're a very almost regimented, organized individual when it comes to, um, you know, assessing your weeks and your months. And you've got your book of the month that you're prepped for the next three or four months. You've got um, your videos released three, two to three times a week, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sure that there's um, curveballs that come at you from all angles, and you know, trying to trying to rock you and throw you off course. But being a self-employed um, individual what, what are some maybe key things that you might be able to instill in either us or those that are listening that you're like these these mantras or these morning routines or whatever have always held me in good stead yeah so uh, firstly um i'm not very organized <laughs> yeah, perception not, is everything eh? <laughs> social, social media is so good eh, to make look um I, I mean this year has been a big change for me and in, in that in that arena of getting more organized. And the biggest thing for me has been my environment, like looking at my environment and what it encourages, does it encourage um, laziness and distraction or does it encourage um, productivity? And um, so like simple examples is phone, like phone in the room. This is the first year of my life that I've not taken my phone to my room um, at nighttime. So I leave in my yeah. office and I've replaced my phone sits with a book, you know? Um, so just, I read this thing um, earlier this, this year and the, uh, I think it my, must be my January book, the Atomic, Atomic Habits book. Um, it was saying that people that are disciplined are not, they're not necessarily more disciplined. They just have an environment that is less, less distracting or less tempting to do the wrong thing. Mm. And so I was like, you know, I want to be more disciplined. So instead of me exerting effort and trying to be more disciplined, why don't I just make life easier for myself and set up my environment so it's less distracting. So I see more disciplined, but it's just a simple environment, if that makes sense. Yeah. So Another classic example is vitamins. Like I've got my vitamins now sitting on the counter. So every morning when I get walk to the kitchen, it's there staring me in the face. Like I have my vitamins. It's not because I'm more disciplined. I've just changed 
I've just made it easier for myself. Yeah. I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice that I can share at the moment. So um, look at your environment. Is it causing you to be distracted and tempted to do things that you hate doing and not want to do? Mm. Um, or is it actually set up in a way that it's encouraging good habits and um, helping you move forward in life? So, uh, so I think that's been, yeah, that's been a good thing is um, my, just changing my environment, you know? Love it. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. I do the vitamin one as well. I used to put them in the pantry and now they're, uh, they're on the, they're on the countertop every morning. And you, you know, if you choose, you're then making a choice to not have them if you don't have them. So yeah. Uh, it's hard because my, my wife hates things sitting out on the bench. Like, so she puts away my, um, my neutral bullets. She puts away the vitamins and I'll take them out again. And like, yeah. <laughs> they've got to be there. Otherwise I won't use them, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's powerful. It's such a simple thing, but it, it's yeah. really powerful. It's really changed um, the way I do things over the last you know, few months. Um, yeah. And then I, like I said, I like just making things public. It helps me to be accountable. So like the book thing, for example, it's more for me than anyone else. And like, if I tell people I'm reading these books and I've bought them, then you know, I've kind of have to, people are going to ask me about the books and how they were. So I'm forced to read them. Yep. Um, the same reason I signed up for the marathon, not being prepared. It's, it's just, yeah. Putting yourself in a place where you, you've got no choice, but to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Love it. You've also got the environment now with, you know, a pretty big public profile. You've got 20,000 people, you know, on Instagram and 11,000 on YouTube that are holding you accountable. That's Do you it. have, uh, do you have maybe some tips for people that don't have that level of accountability where people aren't, like maybe, for example, maybe it's like they're a first generation fitness person in their family. Like everyone else is overweight and they smoke and they're unhealthy and they want to make these changes. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily have all these people holding them accountable. Do you have maybe some tips like, like the vitamins on the cupboard top? That's like a really good, that's a really good one. But yeah. changing environment obviously sounds like a massive one, but that can be super hard for some people. If you're a young kid or, if, you know, I remember when I was a teenager, like I was involved in footy. So that was lucky. But yeah. both my parents never really cared about fitness. So it was kind of like it was just up to me. Yeah. Um, do you have any maybe some tips for people that don't have that? Like making it public for you would be a really powerful one. Yeah. Um, but for me, I might not have that same level um, of kind of like pushback if I don't do something. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, outside, of, outside of my following that I have now, I've always had my tight kind of three to five people in my life that I've chosen, you know, like handpicked, like to hang out with and to, to be inspired by and to be kept accountable by. So I think it's important to seek out those those people, those tight five. And um, yeah, because you are, you're so influenced by those who are closest to you. So I think if you are someone who finds a heart and it's highly likely you've got people around you that are that have bad habits and you know they're dragging you down. So it is just making those tough calls to maybe reassess your close circle and uh, and get some people that have some of the mindsets and some of the goals to you around you. Um, but then also just on a very basic, simple level, like, and it's such a cliche thing, but you know, you've got one life, so you've got to, yeah, you got to, it's your responsibility to, um, to decide how you want this to look, you know? And yeah. So I think if people just stop and go, you know what, I've got this one shot. I'm a miracle. Like it's a miracle that I'm even here. I don't want to waste this opportunity. You know, it, it is such a gift to be a human being, you know, like the chance of being a human being is so minute. So to be here on this earth is such a gift. So I think that if you can just have that mindset, like wake up knowing that it's a gift I've got and I've got a, steward it well and you know um hopefully that can be enough people so you don't even need people to motivate you just that that truth alone hopefully is enough for people to uh to make some changes and stick to it you know um mm. yeah i guess because we're yeah. constantly living it you're uh, you take it for granted in a way oh, so easy man so easy to take for granted what we have it's crazy what we have what we've been given you know um yeah so we've got to make the most of it yeah yeah but yeah it's hard I mean, it's easier said than done you know it's easier said than done changing your your circle your inner circle is hard you know um, it's like 
it's like when you've got a toxic relationship, you know, you know you've got to leave that girlfriend or boyfriend, but it's, it's easy said and done, but you know it's the right thing to do. It's the same with your friendships. It's like, you know, there might just be something you have to cut or there might just be some hard work you've got to put in to build some, if you don't have close friends, it's, you know, putting the work into actually uh, putting yourself out there, which is hard, but um, to actually make those friendships ha- happen, you know? So, yeah, hopefully it's helpful for someone. Well, that's why gyms are perfect, I think. You know, you've got you know, potentially hundreds of people in the same environment, maybe with, or at least a similar mindset of wanting to be better in some way, whether that be healthier or fitter or stronger or all of the above. That's it. You know, you've got people that are of, of similar vein, you know? Mm. Exactly. And that's where the value of, of a gym, any gym, not just a CrossFit gym, like any fitness facility, that's where the real value lies in a, a gym membership, especially a functional training gym where community is a priority. Um, you know, sure, the fitness is great, you know, but the real value lies in the relationships you can build, like you say, um, yeah, I mean, so many business opportunities, so many marriages have come from just uh, the CrossFit gym or the, the local functional training gym, you know, so definitely good to invest in, yeah. So I guess um, as a, as I should have prefaced this at the start, but our goal is to have guests as repeat guests. So awesome. as we talked about with your growth, with your YouTube channel, a thousand people in three months is awesome. Maybe by the end of the year, we're working on, if, if it is exponential, maybe 15,000 by the end of the year. Yeah. And we'll have you back on and we'll, um, we'll talk about maybe some systems that you put in place in order to get that kind of growth. I think that would be awesome, man. Yeah, I'd love to be back. That'd be cool. For yeah, sure. real, man. Hopefully 20, 25,000, that's the goal by the end of the year. Okay, okay done. Room. 25K. <laughs> it's out there. That's it. 5K, that's the goal. That's yeah, it. I love it, man. Yeah, love if it. you're listening, guys, and uh, you want to check him out, we'll definitely link the YouTube channel and uh, your Instagram in the notes as well. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're not just into CrossFit, but if you're into just, you know, a healthier way to live and enjoy um, watching people motivate and uh, living their life better, def- definitely worth a watch of Vakey's channel. But um, thanks for your time, dude. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate how you've come on uh, short notice and um, looking thanks forward so to much, chatting man. again in the next six months or so. Absolutely. I appreciate it, boys. Awesome. Thanks, Thank mate. you very much, man.